You're listening to the We Talk Seahawks podcast, a podcast brought to you by Seahawks UK. Stay tuned to our weekly episodes for pre-game and post-game shows, as well as fun and engaging discussions, and hopefully some special guest interviews along the way. Thank you for listening, stay tuned, and go Hawks! Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. To all of you returning listeners, welcome back. I'll explain the absence of the podcast very shortly. And to those of you who are turn- tuning into us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you all. My name is James. I'm the founder of Seahawks UK. And with me, I do have Pietro, who's going to be a regular co-host of the podcast moving forward. So I'll let him introduce himself to you in a moment. Firstly, just let me quickly uh, briefly introduce myself to, the- to you, those of you who don't already know me. Um, so I'm James. I'm 21. I'm a student mental health nurse from Middlesbrough, which is up in the northeast of England, if you're not familiar with England. I've been following the Seahawks ever since 2013-ish, after discovering the sport and the Seahawks through YouTube videos. Um, just became instantly hooked ever since then. Um, watched the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 48. That was my first full game that I watched. Um, so I decided to be a bit of a glory supporter and, and, and follow them ever since then, really. Um, and my lucky number has always been 12 as well. So when I found out about the connection between the number 12 and the and the Seahawks and the fans and everything, I just nah, I just knew that was meant to be my team. Um, so I've followed them ever since then. Um, but like I say, some of you might already know that. Some of you might already have listened to the, the early podcast we did in August. Um, and then we've had a bit of an absence since then. And this is our returning podcast. I'll briefly explain that to you why there's been a bit of an absence. Um, it's pretty simple. I just became really busy, uh, student nurse, all the pandemic and everything kicked off and just became super, super busy. Um, obviously, we were planning to do weekly episodes of, of the podcast back then um, when, I ha- when I was a bit sort of more relaxed and I, and I had quite a bit of time off. But then obviously, it, it just overnight, it just started again. I got called out um, and just been busy ever since. Um, but I've got a bit of time off now. Should be able to get these podcasts going regularly now, every every sort of week or so, hopefully, um, with different topics, previews, reviews, all that good stuff. Um, so that's that's that. So I can, I can bring in Pietro now. Um, he's like I say, he's very kindly offered to help run this podcast with myself. We've also got another chap called Matt, um, who may well be joining us halfway through this podcast. Um, or at some point he's he's also going to be helping us run this podcast going forward um, but he's not here at this very moment in time so I'll bring in Pietro he'll tell you a little bit about yourself um, himself I should say um, and let's get going with that so Pietro uh, whenever you're, you're right, ready mate I'm Pietro I'm 31 from Preston it's near Manchester not from the UK uh, I got into the Seahawks 2011, I think it was, off the top of my head. Uh, I was a massive fan from 2005. Uh, we planned to go to America. He wanted to go to CenturyLink. So I said, yeah, I'll come along. And then ever since that, I've been hooked into it. So I thought I'd jump on this podcast with James and uh, give him a hand because I enjoy talking about the Seahawks. And uh, I'm, I love to give my opinion. <laughs> no, spot on. Like I say, thanks very much for doing this with, with me, mate. Um, it wouldn't be possible um, without yours and Matt's help because I would just be too busy. Um, so really do appreciate it. So 
we'll get on to the Rams. Um, what we'll do is we'll preview the Ram, well, review the Rams game, I should say. We'll talk a bit about the defensive performance. We'll talk a bit about the offensive performance. Um, and then we'll move on to the 49ers. Um, we'll also talk a bit about who our standout players being from the Rams game and, and, and the season as well, and who's sort of catching our eye this season. Um, and then we'll sort of go on to the want the playoffs obviously it's the last week of the regular season the Niners coming up so we'll talk about the playoffs with us securing that 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 spot in the playoffs hopefully still a chance at the number one seed but we'll we'll get into all that um but like I say we'll get on to the Rams first and I think there's only one place to start and that's the defensive side of the ball it's it's a completely different unit to what we saw at the start of the season um I don't know what Ken Norton's written on his whiteboard I don't know what he's gotten into them but it, it's it's worked um, and one player who just is is looking absolutely excellent at this point he's a rookie linebacker number 56 Jordan Brooks I mean playing alongside KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner I don't think there's two better linebackers sort of in form playing as well as they are in the NFL at the minute um, obviously Bobby Wagner's a, a Hall of Fame guy whenever he retires and and KJ Wright's a perennial sort of pro ball level um, linebacker as well. Um, so he couldn't have he couldn't have been drafted as a linebacker into, into a much better linebacker room to learn and, and develop in his first year. Um, and hopefully, obviously, Bobby Wagner and, and KJ might be with us for a couple of years as well, a couple of years more. Um, so he's got plenty of knowledge there around the table to learn from. Um, but he's just... Sideline to sideline, he's so quick. His, his tackling was his big sort of, you know, plus point coming out of college. Everybody was raving about his tackling ability. I think he led Texas Tech in, in, in tackles. And he was just, the only concern, I think, was his, his sort of, his, his injuries and his health. Um, going forward, he had, I can't remember exactly what injury he had. I think it was a leg injury. Um, but, all that's been swept aside for now. He looks healthy. He, he's playing absolutely lights out. Looks as good as Bobby Wagner and KJ. Um, he's, he's a he's a pass rusher. He, he can play coverage. He can he can just do everything really really well. Um, and if he carries on like this, I can I can see him being a really really strong member of that linebacking group and and possibly taking the reins over from like say Bobby Wagner and KJ for whenever they step aside. Um, so Pietro, I don't know what you think about Jordan Brooks, but I think he's in contention. When, well, I think he might well win our, our yeah, rookie of the year. Yeah, um, definitely. I'm a massive fan. Like, I, I love the guy. Ever since like mm. um, listening to a podcast on uh, the upcoming draft uh, earlier this year, and so again, one of the lads he said mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Brooks will be a good fit for uh, Seattle because he looks so similar to Bobby Wagner. Mm-hmm. So I, I checked him out on the uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. looked at his uh, highlights and stuff, and yeah, he's that Rams game to me was like it, that's just a sign of what he's capable of. Like, let the reins off, yeah. Him. Let the reins off him and let him a bit loose. Like oh, I was yeah. shocked; I didn't realize. Like I, I buzz off the guy. So anytime he does anything, I'm like, oh, best thing in in the NFL that. But, um, but um, I did realise 28 snaps, 28 snaps, like seven or eight tackles. So, some, 28. Some, some say seven, Crazy. some say eight. He had a tackle for loss. Like that, yeah. 
four play uh, drive by the Rams on the goal line. He's, he was on every single stop. Mm. Every single. Them eight mm-hmm. tackles of his were like eight key valuable stops to keep us in that game and keep us flowing. And if that... That's what I wanted to see from him all year because for me personally, yeah, I got pissed when I was seeing all this hate towards him earlier in the year. He wasn't getting the reps, mm-hmm. but if he show his skill set, and then Patrick Queen, who got drafted after him, who apparently was better than yeah. him, has one good game, puts one good statistical mm-hmm. game up, and people are losing their minds. Why have we picked this Jordan Brooks over Patrick Queen? And I'm just so happy he mm-hmm. he's proving it now, and people are actually starting to talk about him and go, "Oh, this 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 Jordan Brooks guy." might be something special. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, again, I'll, I'll probably admit that I was one of the ones to question the pick when it first made. I was like, Jordan Brooks, first round, you know, would he have been there in the second round? Like you say, there was Patrick Queen on the board, a couple of other positions that, that we needed as well to fill. Um, you were thinking linebacker, really, in the first round, but ever since he's come in, he's just look, he, he looks the part. You see him out there, he completely looks the part. Like you say, just 28 snaps, um, in total in the Rams game but as you said he just he seems to make every single snap count he he, he, he plays every single snap to to the absolute max makes it count makes a play on every snap that he that he comes in on um, and I, I just think if, if he can stay healthy like you say that was one of the concerns coming out of college if he can stay healthy with us if he can keep progressing like this um, I, I you know, you're talking, you're talking Pro Bowl, all pros for me. He just, he looks that good. He's, he's that exciting. Um, yeah. So I can definitely see him becoming a, a franchise player for us moving forward. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I definitely see this pick. Like, the Rams game shown it. Like, mm. he's doing, he's doing similar things to what Bobby did when he first came into the league. Like, that tackle yeah. for loss on the, on the, was it the four yard line when he just shot through? Like, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, was it? Uh, I think it was Brian Mulney. He he held up his uh, block quite nicely, and it gave him that lane. But mm-hmm. still, I don't the speed he took that that hole. At, I don't think they were going to stop him enough to be able to stop him getting a hand on that. Uh, I think it was no. Brown who was uh, running back at the time. I don't think they would have stopped him. He just yeah. hit it with that much like speed, and that's what he did in college. That was his bag, like sideline to sideline. And just shooting holes mm-hmm. and just taking guys out in the backfield, like yeah, I was hyped about that. I was buzzing when I uh, watched his performance. And that's the thing. I think going going to that that fourth down, that goal line stop. One of the things that's been plaguing us all year is this third down defense and and offense as well, because they haven't been sort of they haven't been polished on third down offense either, but. Third down defense has just been such a problem for us all season. Uh, you know the defense is really improving overall, but there was still so many, so many third downs in that game that they just couldn't get off the field. Um, but to see a goal line stand like that, and to for him to make that play in that situation, um, like you say, that bursting through the through the line to get the title for loss, and then to make that sort of assisted stop. I can't remember who he assisted it with, um, but to make that assisted stop on the fourth down as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a veteran player. It's a veteran player, um, and he, he, yeah, 
I'm super excited one, about him. Yeah, because one of, I remember reading his like a lot of his uh, draft write ups, and one of the consistent things mm. was um, his IQ, his football IQ. Like um, he, he's like a sponge essentially because, he, like you said just then, he's got KJ and Bobby, who've been two mm-hmm. of the most consistent. Like Bobby Hall of Fame linebacker. To me, anyway, he's still the best mm-hmm. in the league. People say he might be getting a bit oh, yeah. slow and washed up, but nah, to me. And when you've got a guy like that whose footballing IQ is so high as well, like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a dangerous duo, that. For as long as Bobby stays with us, like them two yeah. are going to be a very, very, very dangerous tandem together. Oh, Absolutely. And and talking about another guy who's, who's, who's catching the eye this season on the defensive side of the ball, who isn't named Jamal Adams. How about Jaron Reed? Two sacks last season. Obviously, he had his, his, his ten and a half sacks in in, uh, in twenty eighteen, and just made everyone stand up and take notice of him. Then he has a down year in in, in twenty nineteen, and you're thinking, oh, you know, it, it, was that just a fluke one off season? Teams have figured him out, but he comes back. He signs that big big two-year contract extension for, I think, $23 million in the off-season. And you're thinking that is a massive amount to pay for a guy who's getting you two sacks, two and a half sacks a season from that, from, from that season. Um, but he's come back this season and from the defensive title position, which is you know notoriously not a position that you know produces sacks. I know you've got a guy like Aaron Donald who we'll talk about again at some point, um, who sort of rewriting the, the, the sack numbers for the defensive tackles. But... I mean, Jaron Reed, six and a half on the season so far. So he's still got the Niners game to come, whether he makes that. I know, I know he's had this funny neck injury that's been playing up a bit. So whether he makes it or not, I don't know. But six and a half sacks, a couple of tackles for loss as well. I mean, how 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 improved do you think he's been? And and, and, and is he earning this money? Is he, a, is he a top defensive tackle when he plays like this? Yeah. Definitely. Um, my opinion of him is, and people might see it as a negative and say he's not worth the cash, but he, mm-hmm. he's worth every single penny when you've got someone like Dunlap. He had he had Frank Clark yeah. when he had that ten and a half sack season, mm-hmm. and then Frank Clark went, and then all of a sudden he went off. He went like he disappeared, and then you get a guy mm-hmm. like Dunlap, like. Just you just think about it, Dunlap. Just uh, the side note, like what we paid to get that man, like Jesus, he's, he's changed the whole defensive line, and that Elevated, is essentially, yeah, that essentially is what's happened to Jaron Reed. Like mm. he's got, he's got, he's got his number one now. Because Jaron Reed, he is the number two. He needs that guy to help unlock his mm-hmm. potential. And at the end of the day, as long yeah. as Dunlap stays. Then I'm happy to pay Jeremy that money because mm-hmm. it, it all works out. Like it, it all transcends, doesn't it? Like six sacks done that since he's been in, six and a half read. Yeah. And then I'm glad you talked about the line because I was going to bring up uh, Puna Ford. Like that that guy. Yeah. That guy is unbelievable. Brilliant. Undrafted free agent. Yeah. And this year he's just mm-hmm. like last year. I was a bit unsure about him. I, I thought to myself. Maybe he's, he's, he's met his limitations. Um, mm-hmm. But Jesus, I was wrong about that, wasn't I? Did you see that uh, tackle I mean, he made? He's one of them. That, that 
like yep. bull rush on... tackle at the back. That's the one, yeah. Jesus. I can't remember who it was on now, but yeah, I can I can picture it. Was it but was it one of the Titans? He's a guy, you know, um, Higby maybe. Uh, Higby, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, you're right there, Higby. Um, he's not one of these guys who's getting you know sack numbers or you know he he has got one or two sacks, but he's not you know he's not putting up you know six and a half, ten you know sacks like the guys like uh, Jaron Reed and Aaron Donald. But he, his his game isn't about that really. You know, Jaron Reed is a is a pass rusher. As for a defensive tackle, he's a really good pass rusher. Uh, Puna Ford's just he he just bullies people. He, he, he's he doesn't look like he should, but you know he's quite small. He's quite compact. He's, he's you know he's a big lad, but he's a bit undersized. But he just his 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 arm strength, his hand strength, those big hands. He just bullies people in the in the run game. He he's an elite run stopping defensive tackle, and to pick him up as an undrafted free agent, I think that's He's looking like, you know, he's going to go down as one of our best sort of free agent undrafted signings of in in franchise history because he, you know, I, I heard guys like KJ and Bobby Wagner talking about him being a Hall of Fame standard guy last season when 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 they signed him, you know, from what they're seeing in practice of him and maybe you know his numbers probably aren't going to get him there if if if, if it continues like that. But his his performances, it he, he doesn't have a bad game. Never has a bad game. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, and like mm-hmm. you bring you bring Brian Mulney into it, like um, I'm pretty sure he was undrafted as mm-hmm. well, and like he was, yeah. The improvements he's making, um, that's two undrafted free agents on the line there, and like you said, they're not yeah. they're not sack guys. They're not like them guys who typically break into the backfield, but this year they're starting to develop that skill, and that makes them. Even more dangerous, like that mm-hmm. makes the line even more dangerous because you're like, who's coming? Who, who, who? Oh, absolutely. Is it coming off the edge? Is it coming through the middle? Like, and then that's where that elevates our line and then it elevates the rest of the defense because they, I yeah. do agree. And I think that's been one of our problems, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, move, like from, from the past season or two, they, our pass rush was so predictable. You know, when we had Frank Clark, he was the guy. We didn't have any of these guys like Jamal Adams in, in the coming down as sort of a hybrid safety linebacker, pass rusher, everything like that. You've got Dunlap, you've got Puna Ford, you've got all these guys, Maiola, you know, Bruce Irving when he was healthy, you know, all these guys who are contributing to getting sacks and everything. It, it, it's a complete team effort, whereas before, you know, pass, in, in recent years, like say, like guys like Frank Clark, it's, it's been a bit of a one-man pass rush and it's just, you double-team Frank Clark and, and, and you take away the Seahawks pass rush, but now, it's you know if if you if you want to double team Carlos Dunlap, you've got Jamal Adams blitzing from 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 the safety position. You've got Puna bull rushing. You've got there's so many options for Ken Norton and that defensive line to 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 employ and to work with. It's it's the transition from being one of the worst sack producing teams to to one of the best now is 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 clear for all to see. And it's and it's down to these moves that they yeah, made. Yeah, definitely. I think tied only tied first for sack still. Is that? Since 2000... I think we are, yeah. 2000. Since week six... No, week 10, was it? I can't remember what that stat is. I saw it the other day um, yeah. on my social media. Is it like week 10 or something? We're tied first in mm-hmm. sacks. Unbelievable. Like, un- unbelievable transformation. Like, I do, I do put that down to... Um, there's a lot of big characters on that defence. 
And like obviously, when you've got a yeah. lot of alpha male, big presence uh, players, it, mm-hmm. it just takes a little bit of time to find that balance and that order within. With with like Adams being out for them games and stuff, it kind of stunted that. But it it now since the second half of that Ram first Rams game, it now looks like they've just kind mm-hmm. of clicked. Like whether whether or yeah. not it was that like meeting. Apparently, they had the accountability meeting. I, mm. I, I don't know that mm-hmm. if that is the reason, but something's clicked anyway. I don't know what it is. Like, I mean, you know, we, we were talking about this yesterday when we, when we were chatting that the defence for the past few years and, and has, has just been too nice. It's been there's, there's been no real sort of cockiness, arrogance that since Pete Carroll's came in, you know that's that's what this Seahawks secondary with the Legion of Boom and our defense has has always been renowned for, known for. Is that cockiness, that arrogance, that you know, that that just hit you hard every play, sort of get in your face, you know, arrogant, make you, you know, make make teams scared to throw the ball across the middle because they're going to get hit by guys like Cam, by Earl, by Sherman, all these guys, and then they leave. And then we replace them with guys like, and no disrespect, but guys like Justin Coleman and and people like this who are who are not bad players in their own right. But there's no there's no cockiness, there's no arrogance, there's no identity to the defense. But now, and we'll talk about them a bit more in a minute. But Jamal Adams, Dunlap, all these guys who are experienced, savvy vets like Dunlap, Jamal Adams is, is obviously working his way into the league and and getting used to it now. But there's just so much sort of self-belief and self, you know, confidence and arrogance and, and, and in a good way and cockiness on this defence now that, that I think all these good defences need to have. And, and and you don't you very rarely see a defence be as good as, as what the Seahawks defence is at the minute when there's, there's you know, they're being too nice and, and they're, they're all nice guys and they're all sort of, you know, no arrogance, no cockiness. You need that, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Um, I totally, like we said, we spoke about that Um Yesterday, like, I 100% agree with uh, that. Like, you've got DJ Reed, he's just, like, out there smashing anyone he can get yeah. his hands on. And then after nearly every hit, <laughs> he's, like, screaming his head off, going, uh, don't test me, don't test me. And, like, basically just saying... Don't test yeah, me, just yeah. basically saying, like, if you want to try it, I might be 5'9", but I'm going to smash it in the mouth. I might not get an interception on mm-hmm. you, I might not do it, but I'm going to smash it in the mouth and you're going to know it. Like... And yeah. then you flip it onto Shaq's side, where is mm. Shaq can do some trash. He can do he can do the old trash talking, but I always get the mm-hmm. vibe off him. He's a bit more of a laid back kind of guy. Um, in his yeah. zone is a bit more chilled, a bit more like laid back. Um, so yeah. when you're targeting him, don't get me wrong, he makes some great. Uh, pass deflections and things like that, but I'd rather go up against him mm-hmm. than go up against someone who is going to hit me hard and then stand over my body whilst I'm laying on the floor hurt, yeah. screaming at me like it's mad. Oh, absolutely! Like I, I, I just think of Cam just standing over me with his his biceps chiselled <laughs> like Mount Rushmore, just looking down at me like, "All right, mate, you know, just give me a sec to get up, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll give it, I'll give it a bit back." But oh, well, I wouldn't anyway, but. You know, you you've got you have got guys like Jamal and, and and these guys who will just you know lay the boom out and and bring that identity back. But we'll talk about Shaq Griffin um, as as you know as we brought him up because 
he's one of them guys. He's a bit like he's a bit of the the Marmite player on this Seahawks defense. You either love him or you hate him. Um, I'm sort of more in the camp of um, I'll just have butter on my toast. Thanks very much. I'll leave the Marmite because I, I can't make my mind up on him. He's he's he, he makes that play on again. I think it was either Cup or Higby. I can't remember who. Where he, he bats the ball down and gets that pass break up, that diving pass break up, and you think, wow, that that's a that's a Pro Bowl, All Pro cornerback making plays right there. And then the very next play, the third down plays that he just blows his coverage, makes you know misses open field tackles, just and 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 you're thinking that you know he's so inconsistent that. It, it, yes, he makes some great plays and gets you know his, his 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 interception numbers are quite good this year and everything like that. But when you actually watch him and you watch some of his coverage and some of the plays he he makes and he misses, it, I, I really I really can't make my mind up on Shaq Griffin. I'm, I'm I'm week to week with him. I don't know about you. Yeah, I I'd agree with that uh, myself. He is a bit like Marmite, and he's done it. A, mm. He's done it for a few years now. Like. He'll do that brilliant play and everyone be on their social media and buzzing like, oh my God, what a play. And you can see it's all over his face. Like, yeah, I'm the shit. Yeah. And then the very next play, he just like, he might as well keep his yeah. hands on his hips and just let the guy run past him. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like he makes that great play and forgets there's still two more downs where they can get 10 yards. Yeah. And he just goes to sleep. Yeah. And he's, I've noticed he's done that multiple times. He'll do a great play and then he'll just have this disgusting give up play. And then he stands there mm. a bit baffled, like, you what? How how's that just happened? It, and it's just a bit like it, it almost seems like he gets caught up in the play yeah. that he's just made that he that he forgets that there's another one to make, doesn't he? He sort of he just he loses that lack of concentration a bit. Yeah, for me. definitely that's yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Um, it's pretty much that his yeah. concentration. Um, isn't the best. But then there's games where he'll be on it no. all game and you won't really hear from him mm-hmm. and he might not be on the stat sheet, but that is because he's just been ignored or he's done a couple of pass breakups yeah. and then that's it. That's his night done because the quarterback's not even looking his way anymore because it's just he's having one of them nights. There's no point going to him because he might not intercept you, but he's yeah. going he's gonna to break up nearly every single mm-hmm. pass you throw his way. So like you said, he is. He's just that flip-flop, isn't he? Oh, he completely is. I mean, some of it, you know, he's got excellent speed. Like you say, he can make these players on the ball with 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 his ridiculous athletic ability that, that he does possess. But it, it's it's just that that technical, the sort of skill side of the game, like the coverages that, that he just hasn't sort of brought up to, to a consistent standard yet. That if And if he does, I think everyone, we're not having this discussion about Shaq, being sort of inconsistent because he's he's his his natural ability in terms of his speed and his quickness and his agility and everything like that is is, is top draw. No, you know, no one disputes that it, it, it is his his technical ability and his coverage. But if he can sort that out, you know, I can't I can't remember the the, the details on Shaq's uh, Shaq's contract. I think he's in his last year next year. I think. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, he is. No, yeah, it's his. Uh essentially contract year this year he's playing for his contract and you can see it like some games yeah he comes out like that play there that play is like mm. like you said though that then he gets caught up in in that play it's like yeah pay me and then he, he the very next play he shows a reason why 
they shouldn't mm. pay him the big bucks. But oh, it, it's, I was gonna I was gonna yeah. bring this up, uh, you know, uh, at uh, at the end, like it is his contract year, mm. and I was uh, listening to to a piece on him, and basically like this year the mm. quarterback market, quarterback sorry, uh, cornerback market isn't. It's not great. Like Shaq is gonna be one of the top guys, so because of that, he's gonna demand yeah. the top money. Mm-hmm. For me, I just mm-hmm. don't know. If, I don't know point. if he's proven enough. Like if we get into the playoffs and he he absolutely falls out, like mm. forget everything else. Playoffs is a separate, like almost a separate separate season, oh, it is, isn't yeah. it? Like if he goes into them playoffs and shuts yeah. down his corner, like his side, he shuts it down. And he absolutely mm-hmm. balls through the whole playoffs and say we get as far as the Super Bowl, then yeah, like mm-hmm. the big money's coming his way. But if he keeps mm-hmm. doing this flippy floppy performance, yeah, it's hard to justify paying him that money, especially with the cap being reduced next year. If I'm right in saying, yeah. and you got like yeah. really you got to tie Jamal up. That's number one priority. Absolutely. And then you've got like, I think if it's right, I think. Hooners contracts coming up, KJs. Yeah. You got a yeah. few free agents coming up. Yeah. So with with the market not being as strong and with the season it's been, mm-hmm. college football's not been the same. So scouting has lost in a lot harder. Yeah. So yeah. Do you take the hit? Do you do you, do you put the uh, tag on him for a season? That's an option, Let's isn't see. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, do you, do you trust Pete and John's ability to to historically draft corners and and, and possibly get a better one? It, it, it is a tough one. It's a, it's gonna like I say we again we were talking about this yesterday that the cornerback position is going to be an interesting position going forward in the next few years. You know, you you've got DJ Reed now, but Dunbar's a free agent next season. Um, you know, you know we talked about Shaq there. You know, you've got guys like. Uh, Ryan Neal who can play cornerback you've got you know guys like Demarius Randall on the team but it, there's you know you, you can you can comfortably say DJ Reed. hopefully fingers crossed with his health you know if he stays healthy and everything he's going to be the guy going forward you know the the number one corner but you know as Quinton Dunbar there's, there's, there was obviously all the off-season drama with him and, and him playing through a, some sort of injury this season I can't remember what but an elbow injury I think possibly but um, you know, he hasn't really lit it up when he's played and, and, and I wouldn't be totally comfortable giving him a, a, a big money free agent contract. Um, it, it, it's it's going to be a really interesting position going forward, isn't it? The oh, yeah, definitely. Position. Like, at this moment in time, like, back to the Rams game, you look at each corner and DJ Reed's, mm. like, I don't know the actual stat, to be quite honest. Um, I'm not going to, like, in front of me or anything but I'd just be interested to see yeah how many receiving yards DJ Reed allowed on his side like yards after the catch or just yards put on his side because I know against Washington he only let 15 yards or something daft like that and from from my memory wow. watching the game he didn't really let much go his mm. way anyway so you're looking at it at the moment and you're saying DJ Reed is our number one guy because he's been so solid now don't get me wrong. Yeah. Come the playoffs, yeah. when you've got you've got um, Devontae Adams, maybe uh, Hopkins back, mm-hmm. Michael yeah. Michael Thomas for the Saints, them kind of guys. 
then that there is there's yeah. his test. Is the height advantage gonna Absolutely. be a thing? Because he's got such speed on him that even if they beat him, he's gonna whack him in the chest. Mm-hmm. And if you come in if you he's got oh, someone yeah. coming at your ball rushing, like it's gonna be hard to keep hold of them balls when he's whacking at like full speed. Yeah. And I think we saw this last year with a, a guy I'll talk about, Trey Flowers, another uh, cornerback going forward. We we saw that in the in the playoffs last season when he came up against a, a top receiver in Devontae Adams because I thought Trey Flowers was having a, a quietly sort of decent season last season. He you know a few interceptions and he was doing all right for for what we've seen of, of Trey Flowers as sort of standard. He was sort of played his his best his best football since he's come here, but. He goes up against a guy like Devontae Adams, a top, you know, you know, possibly the best receiver in the league, which is a discussion for another day. But he comes up against the undisputed elite top receiver in, in Devontae Adams, and he in, he has his worst performance in a in a, in a Seahawks jersey. And, and and ever since then, his his confidence just seems to have, and his and his play and his and his ability just seems to have taken a complete knock. And it's because he got found out against the top receiver like Devontae Adams, and and I think that. I am seeing similar things to that as to what I'm seeing with Shaq. He, you know, he 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 has he seems to have his best games against the weaker opposition, and then he comes up against the top top receiver, and and he sort of, you know, the, like I mean, Cooper Cup's a, a very good receiver in my opinion, and 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 even Tyler Higby's a, a you know a top uh, tight end. So, and he just he just has poor games, and and I'm waiting to see a big performance from Shaq against a top. A top receiver where I can pinpoint and say, yeah, he 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 locked down uh, Devontae Adams, or he locked down a you know whoever you want to you know whoever you want to mention it in in a big playoff game, and and then we can point that and say, okay, that's why you pay Shaq the money you're going to pay Shaq because he we, he's shown that he can do that, but no, he just hasn't yet for me. I agree, um, especially like we said, you got to pay you got to pay Jamal like really this year with. With the trend yeah. going upwards on his progression in this team, you do not want to leave it until it's contract year mm-hmm. because you're paying you're paying double you're paying double what you maybe could squeeze out this year. Like, I don't know too much about Jamal as a person. Like, yeah. is he is he a money grabber? Is he greedy? Because to me, at this moment in time, he says mm-hmm. all the right things in the like presses and stuff that. He's here to yeah. play football and this, that, and the other. So we'll see this this off season. No, because re- realistically, hmm. they they're, they're there to secure their own futures. So Absolutely. he'd be stupid, in a personal standpoint, not to go in and go. I am the best safety in this league. I want the highest safety pay pay in this league. So, oh, definitely. That'd be a good podcast when uh, when the seasons. Said and done. Yeah. Look at all, all the, all them contracts for uh, uh, sorting out and even Dunlap. Like. You know, du- you know, Dunlap's wanting big money now as well for next season. If you want to re-sign him, so there's a lot to break down in terms of salary cap going into next season. But we'll finish on the defensive side of the ball with with, with Jamal Adams, obviously making the trade in the off season with the the two first round picks and the you know, I think it was a fourth round pick and Bradley McDougal. I mean. I love him. I absolutely love him. I love everything that we, that he's brought to the team. You know, people look at the trade and go, oh, you've completely sort of, or some people have, you know, completely overpaid for him. You've completely reached for him in terms of picks that you've given up and, and all this kind of stuff. But to me, Jamal, Jamal Adams hasn't just brought a physical player to the defence. He's brought so much more that you can't really put 
value on in terms of like we've mentioned this this cockiness and, and this swagger and this he, he's elevated everyone's game around him and he's brought that identity back the only thing the only the only sort of asterisk I'm putting over Jamal Adams is his his hand ability his, his ability to make interceptions you know he has been playing with some banged up fingers this year apparently um, but there's been quite a few times where he should have had for me, he should have had maybe three, four, possibly five picks, but certainly three to four picks this season. So yeah, so with with Jamal Adams, the only thing that 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 I'm putting as a as a sort of asterisk next to his name is is his interception numbers and and his, and his hands ability. I don't know what you've made of Jamal Adams since he since he's come in and and, and the details of the trade and we you know are you happy with how it's worked out so far? Yeah, I, I'm. Uh... Pleasantly surprised, I'd like to say. But at the yeah. start, he got a lot of hate, really. A lot of uh, draft capital to give mm-hmm. up for a guy. So he's always going to have that expectation on his shoulders, uh, regardless. But it's almost like he's just showcased his individual talent. Yeah. And now they're starting to mould it into a well-rounded player, mm-hmm. like how he was at the Jets. Because the thing people got to remember, he came in in this season where there's no real training camps and stuff like that. Well, it's not, Like everyone always says, it's not a normal season. Yeah. And it took him a while. Like You could tell it took him a while to figure out. Like When they blitzed him all the time, mm-hmm. it's because they didn't have Carlos Dunlap. Yeah. So they, they, they were just so desperate for this pass rush because it was a, in like clearly a weakest part from last year and this year. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it was a clear move that they know it and they were feeling the heat on like without the pass rush, they were feeling the heat in that yeah. subject yeah. area. So it's like Jamal can blitz, blitz him, blitz him, blitz him, blitz him. Yeah. And Jamal took the heat for that. And I think it was wrong. Mm. Like, he got burnt on a few coverage, yeah, but that's because I would imagine he's being told, right, you're blitzing. Right, you're blitzing. So I'd imagine he's blitzed that much mm-hmm. that then doing them coverage uh, plays probably didn't come second nature to him anymore because he was so constantly roaming the line. Yeah. And now you look at it, and it was probably one of his best coverage games, mm-hmm. this Rams game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like they hardly blitzed him at all. No. But that's how that's that that's how you'd imagine they'd use Adams and now starting to figure it out and I'm glad they figured it out at the end of the season yeah. when it matters the most going into the playoffs. Because if they hadn't figured it out by now, then yeah, they'd be a little bit concerned that there's gonna be a lot of heat at the end of this year mm. on that trade alone, but no one can really complain. Like no, no. a draft a draft pick in next year's class is going to... There's not really been much college football this year to look at. Mm-hmm. So, what are you truly going to get? What's the knock-on effects of this season Yeah, going into... So, next year's a regular season again and things get back to normal. What's the knock-on effect of the growth of the college players going into then the 2022 draft? Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. And I just think, damn right, I'd, take, I'd lose two first-round picks where we're like 
reputation shows we're terrible. Oh, absolutely. In that round. And the thing is, you know what I mean. You know, you you look at the it on the if you take it for face value, it's two first round picks. But at least for this year, anyway, that first round pick is hopefully going to be anywhere between picks twenty six and thirty two. So it's not like it's it's a top ten pick where you're supposed to be getting a nailed on you know franchise changing kind of talented player. You know the the players that you're picking at, at between twenty six and thirty two are often sort of second round guys that are filtering through into the into the first round anyway. So it's it's sort of you know you take it at first value and you think oh it's two first round picks that is a lot you know that's two really good players we're possibly giving up you know in in the future but we're, we're better at drafting in the late round anyway historically since Pete Carroll's come in you know most of our first round picks. You know, in, in in recent years, anyway, when you think back to the likes of Jermaine Effetti and 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 guys like that, have been complete sort of you know write offs and busts, and we've and we've got them shipped out of here as quickly as we drafted them. So it's it's really sort of, and I I think we're not as a, as a team and as a defense. I don't think we're sat raving about them and and sat ready to still be in it with a chance at the number one seed and and you know the number two seed and everything like that going into the playoffs. I don't think we're sat here. Talking like that and, and, and preparing for the for uh, you know a deep playoff run without without Jamal Adams on that defense, I really don't think we are. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that hundred um, percent. If he wasn't on that defense, I don't think we win. No, some like them close games. The uh, I know necessarily he wasn't in the stop, mm. but like the New England game and all them tight games at the start, I, I think they turn into losses. And then oh, we're yeah. talking about a totally different team um, yeah. altogether here. We're not we're not sat here talking about we just demolished the Rams. Mm. We're, we're not talking about we demolished the Rams. We're third seed in the playoffs, fighting for the first seed. Like mm-hmm. we're not talking about any of that. I don't no. think if he's not on, like I pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought now. Jamal Adams is quality. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Jamal Adams is Jamal quality. Jamal Adams is quality. We'll end up, we'll end the defensive <laughs> side on that. Um, <laughs> so this offense, obviously, in the past two weeks, we've had to play two of the best defenses in the NFL in terms of Washington and the Rams. Um, obviously, only putting up twenty points in each game. But I think if you were to look at that on face value, you you would probably see that as a bit of a poor, you know, two poor poor performances from the offensive line and, and from and from the offense. But you've got to think, I think when you delve deeper into it, you've got a banged up offensive line in those two games. You've got no Brandon Shell at right tackle. You've got no Mikey Party at guard. So you've got guys like Cedric Ogbuehi, Jordan Simmons and, and, and other guys coming into the offensive line and, and, and plugging holes. And for them to go up against guys like Chase Young over at, at Washington, and then to play the Rams and, and play their number one ranked defense and come up against guys like Aaron Donald and, and all the other guys they have on that Rams defense to to hold up relatively well. And I know Russ took five sacks against the Rams, but it still did enough to win. They did enough to, to keep him protected enough to, for him to make plays and, and, and to win the game for us. Is is this sort of, you know, is is that reason to be optimistic going at the playoffs? I, I I mean I think it is. I think you know playing with a banged up offensive line against two of the best defenses in the NFL. I think that's a very promising sign for us going at the playoffs when we when we come up against the offenses that we'll come up uh, come up against in in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I I personally think these last couple of games Russ has looked 
more like the Russ I'm familiar with yeah. watching. Other people might see it differently, like might delve into technicals, yeah. but just from me watching my game, uh, the game, I just think he looks more settled again. Like that Washington game, for example, mm. he was stepping through the line where the gaps mm-hmm. were. Like I, I know in the Rams game he ran into Floyd for a sack, but you've got Aaron Donald oh, there. Yeah. Like anyone's going to be on the tiptoes when Aaron Donald's like breathing yeah. down your neck. Like it's just it's just bound mm. to happen. But he looks more settled yeah. now compared to like the Bills game and the first Rams game and that battering he took mid like midway mm. through the season. So I, I'm I'm really happy with what I've seen these last couple of weeks that I believe going into the playoffs, like Russ can it's just being effective. Mm. In, that's how I yeah. look at it. Russ it's it's all sexy and class when Russ is chucking mm-hmm. them bombs and every every other play. And yeah, it gets you really like, oh yeah, that's yeah. amazing. But Russ is best when he is effective. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think letting Russ cook is Russ being effective because he did that last mm-hmm. year at the start of the year. He did it this year at the start of the year and it fizzled mm-hmm. out. So clearly it's showing something that even though he's capable of doing mm-hmm. it, I don't think that's his best style of play. No. Like that consistent, just bombing the hell out of the field no. like every single time. No. So I'm, I'm very confident going into it from the last, especially like you said, the two two of the toughest mm. defences in the league, statistically, ranking-wise. Mm-hmm. He just played an efficient game. He just played enough to get the win like he just did what he had to do he didn't over complicate no, no. it and I don't think that's any sort of coincidence that he's got that that safety net of them of them three healthy running backs now that in in, in Carson and Hyde and and uh, and Penny as well I think when we were looking towards the middle of the season when he started to go on that dip and was just turning the ball over like there was no tomorrow I think there's no real coincidence that it was during that time that he didn't have any of them running backs really available to him on a consistent basis every game. You were, you know, you were going into games like the Buffalo game with Alex Collins and, and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer as your starting three running backs. And I think that forced him and forced Schottenheimer and forced Russell to, to, to throw the ball a lot more than he would have liked to, thus obviously increasing the risk and increasing the turnover production. Um, so I don't think it's any coincidence that They've got them three guys back now that he's playing that balanced game, that they're establishing the running game. And and when you've got three three diverse weapons like Hyde and, and, and Carson and Penny, the wall brings something different to the to the table when you when you put them in the game. I think that there's there's no coincidence uh, no coincidence that Russell starts to look a lot better now. Yeah. Um like I think that uh, going back to the Buffalo game and stuff, if if we had uh, I can't remember the offensive line as much, but I'm sure they were mm-hmm. banged up. Carson wasn't there. And this year, if anything's highlighted, Russ having confidence in the players yeah. around him. Like people, I, I heard people say he did what he did at the start of the season because he didn't have confidence in the defence. Mm. Well, fair enough, he's the quarterback of the mm-hmm. team. But a lot of the times, offences and defence, they don't really mix. It's like, he's an offensive yeah. guy. How can he then tell the defence what they should yeah. do? I think it's more his O-line mm. and his running backs. I just don't think he had the faith. I don't think he had the faith in 
what he had around him. So he felt like, mm-hmm. here we go again. Russ has got to carry the yeah. team. And whereas a couple of seasons ago where he carried the team very effectively, mm-hmm. it just didn't, it, it just fizzled like we saw in front of our eyes. It just fizzled. He got banged up. And then for games after that, he was just jittery. Mm. And now he seems to be like we like we discussed. He seems to be getting that balance back. He seems more balanced on his feet. He's starting to instead of trying to find that pass all the time, yeah. he's taking them run them run running opportunities mm. when he sees them now, like that running yeah. touchdown against the Rams. Like I honestly thought he was going to throw an interception there because of how he's been this mm-hmm. season. I thought, don't throw it, just run yeah. it, don't throw it. And then thank God he saw sense. Because at one point, he, he had his body all kinds of twisted, looking to be over his shoulder. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, don't even think <laughs> about it. Like, I, I'm i no Russell Wilson and I'm no, like, NFL specialist. Mm. But I've watched enough now to that, when he's looking over his shoulder like that, knowing what Russ is oh, like, he'd try a shot like that. And I think that that, that sort of mirrors the, the difference between him when he plays now, like the way he is now, and that. That Jared Goff interception from the other night, when he, when he, you know, he had them the first down yard, you know, right in front of him to just take the ball, tuck it under, and, and run for those those yards. But instead, he forces the ball into a, just a, to someone that's just no. There was nothing there. There was nothing on for him. Digs with the easiest interception of his career. Um, you know that in the mid season, there was a there was an interception. I can't think of the game now. On the, uh, I think it was the Buffalo game actually, where Russ just threw that stupid interception in at the back towards the corner of the end zone towards uh, Disley or someone or Hollister. That he had the first down yards and and plenty more right in front of him, exactly like that Goff player. But now Russell's sort of you know he's got his equilibrium back. He's looking good. He's looking sort. Of, he doesn't take that you know he, he's he's being smart with his decision making now. And going back to your your point there with sort of the. You know him not having confidence and everything. I think that's a very sort of that's a very good point, a very fair point because this offensive line that Russell's had up, up until this, you know, the the Super Bowl and everything, and then they go to the Super Bowl and guys like Okung and guys like all them, you know, those those big tough, really good Pro Bowl, All Pro kind of offensive linemen leave. They've never given him an offensive line that was you know capable of protecting him since he's the most sacked quarterback every season consistently, but. This season, they've given him an offensive line. You've got guys like Damian Lewis coming in. Ethan Posick, a player transformed at the centre position. Brandon Shell is when it, when he plays is is a top level right tackle. So and and Dwayne Brown's still balling out somehow at 34, 35, whatever he is. He's looking you know no no day older than than twenty six at the minute at left tackle. I don't know how he's doing it, but so do you think that might have taken him? off guard a bit this season that when he those first few games he's playing behind this offensive line he's sort of thinking well right you know this is weird I'm, I'm, I'm getting time to throw the ball I'm getting time to you know time to do things now do you think that maybe sort of knocked him in a way or, or and, and, and that he's starting to get used to that now yeah uh, possibly um, almost like what you said there you could kind of put it into you could look at it from the angle of um, almost arrogance mm. because he has such a he, He's not used to having such a good line in front no. of him that it, even still now, he like dances in the pocket for longer than he should yeah. do. And it's almost like he could kind of flip it on his head and say he doesn't have confidence with the players in front of mm-hmm. him. It might be that he has, with it, the line being so banged up, he might have 
too much confidence in the line, mm. but the replacements aren't good enough to eat what he's used to with his starters. Yeah. Like, you, you picked up on uh, a boy. He, mm. His first game was absolutely horrendous, oh, and I thought, I thought, oh my God, this guy is going to get rust killed. Yeah. And then now, he starts mm-hmm. two games in a row, and you don't hear his name. No. no. And he's, he's absolutely clutch. It's just, I was going to save this till the end when we talk about this season, yeah. but whilst we're talking about the offensive line, there's just so many things about this team, and this is this is how I process <laughs> things. Very optimistic sometimes. <laughs> that it just gives me the vibes of 2012, 2013. Definitely, like a good offensive line, mm-hmm. safety, yeah. trash talkers. Yeah. You know, th- these little elements what made us that championship caliber team. Mm-hmm. They're just starting to show their head at the right minute. And, like, I'm just ultra... I'm ultra confident, mate. I have been all season, even when we were, like, you know, having a bit of a rough spell. I just always kept that optimism of that it'll come good. I just had this feeling. And, like, say... Um, Just on a little tangent. No, no. Like, and I'll I'll go off on another one in a sec now, just bringing the defensive back. I know we moved on, but it was up until, you know, these past few weeks where the defence have really stepped up. You know, I was exactly, you know, exactly... The opposite, I was, you know, had no faith in us going in the deep playoff run. I thought it was going to be like last season where we get the wild card, we maybe win the wild card game, but then we get beat by Green Bay as we seem to every playoff season nowadays. But it's now that this defence have stepped up again and the offensive line is is holding up even with backups in and you've got all these weapons. He's got just as many, if not more, weapons than he had than when we were winning the Super Bowl and going to back-to-back Super Bowls. It just, he's got, you know, even the tight ends who we'll, who we'll talk about in a minute as well. But it just seems like he's got ev- everything that we lost in those few years, in those transitioning years, like those, you know, 2015 to 2018, 2019, from Super Bowl to where we are now. That Those, you know, those trash talking, arrogant safeties, the good offensive line play, all that, you know, the pass rush, all that that we lost has, has seemingly just resurfaced and come back to us now. And, and now we f- sort of feel like a, a Super Bowl contender again. It, it's it, it's funny. It's so you know I, I do I am confident now. Got like I say, and we'll go on to the playoff season at the end. But the NFC is just not that strong outside of Green Bay this season. So if we can we can make it through this 49ers game in the cursed stadium that is State Farm with a healthy team with a confident win, then I I am confident going into the postseason definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. I I am. Like, obviously, you've got your people out there, like, we're just talking very basic mm. eye test, what we're seeing yeah. on the field. And then, obviously, you've got other people who delve technically into it and get, like, like nitpicky at the teams mm. and at stats and at this and at that. I'm just talking eye test. It just gives me that rosy feeling. Oh, definitely. Um, so, we'll go on to Jacob Hollister, because I feel like he warrants a mention because he doesn't seem to get talked about that much. But ever since he's came in as a guy... From, you know, on the practice squad, got cut from the Patriots and everything like this. He was a complete practice squad guy, undersized for a tight end. Doesn't have any really outstanding ability, like in terms of he's not a, he's not quick. He's not you know he hasn't got the best hands in the world. He, he doesn't run routes that you know that complex. He, he there's nothing really sort of stands out about Hollister's game that you pinpoint and think that's you know that's why he's in the NFL. That's why he's a really good player, but. He's just he's just there at the key moments when when Russell needs to find someone when he's rolling out outside the pocket he's, he's scrambling he's looking for 
desperately looking for someone to throw the ball to because DK is in double coverage and everything like that. Hollister just seems to get himself free on these on these you know on these routes that probably weren't designed like like we used to lock, uh, used to lock it um, running with the connection that he has with Russell. He seemingly has, but he's maybe potentially lost in a in the past few games like we've talked about. But Hollister just seems to be there going back to last season and and those players at, in, at the end of the game. You know, we were so close in the one against the 49ers, but making these game-winning plays, it, 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 nine times out of ten, it seems to be Hollister coming up with them. Yeah, um, it, I was going to say onto that, like, have you not noticed the last couple of games, the tight ends have slowly just been coming into the, like, play calling. Yeah. You're starting to see Disley more. You're starting to see Hollister more. And they kind of complement each other quite nicely. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they fit Olsen back into their, um, back into, like, you know, that tandem mm. of the trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, because since he's been out, I think Hollister and Disley have been showing nice little, like, yeah, they've stepped up. Dual work, if anything, with yeah. each other. Yeah, stepped up. Back onto Hollister, though. Yeah, uh, 100%. Like, he. He is probably very like slept on very much, especially after last year, the uh, streak him and Russ went on. Mm. Like, oh yeah, you get that you get that back this year because teams slept on him last year. He was, some of them touchdowns he was wide open. Mm. Like, Complete. oh Jacob Jacob Hollister, who's Jacob Hollister, and then yeah. he's he's burning you in the end zone, and mm-hmm. there he is, bang touchdown, 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 and I think. If they got him more involved, teams are probably still sleeping him this year because they got no footage of him. Oh no! And him and Russ definitely have a connection. Like you, you saw it last year. Yeah. You saw you, the amount of touchdowns they got together and uh, the plays, and he came up clutch. Like obviously he was millimeters away mm. from winning the West last year, but yeah. he just came up big so many times last year that I really like him now going into this playoff push to get him back because mm. Russ, I did it from when Russ was started, he loves his tight ends. Oh, yeah. And it brings it back to what you said about Jacob Hollister. He's nothing special. Mm. But again, going back to the Super Bowl winning team, can you name me the tight ends except for Luke Wilson that, back then? I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I totally forgot about one name. And I only, I only was like, oh, yeah. He was on our Super Bowl winning team because he was doing a bike ride with Cam Chancellor in them lot. What they posted on Instagram, Justin uh, Britt and all them lot. Yeah. I was like, who's this guy? And then next minute, it's uh, Seahawks Super Bowl winner. I'm like, oh, I do recognise that name. And Go that's on. another little thing. I, I, I can't I say can't, it again. Can't I can't remember. even remember it. I can't, I can't remember it now. Oh, but at the time, I was like, right, I do remember him. And he... He was just one of them, nothing special, basic tight ends who Russ loved to go to yeah. constantly. So that's another little nugget where I look at and go, we've got an unnamed, mm-hmm. unspecial tight end as well to chuck in the little pot and of was, how it, this seems so familiar. It was the same with uh, with Jimmy Graham. When Jimmy Graham was here, every, every time we needed a play, if Doug Baldwin wasn't you know, the guy coming down with it or, or Curse or anyone like that, Jimmy Graham was so, and again, he was one who divided opinion and whether people liked him and didn't like him. I, I love Jimmy Graham. Some of the best players, some of the best memories I have is, you know, the, you know the, the the one against the Texans, for example, where he won us the game on that throw. Just 
I, I love Jimmy Graham, and 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 it has like you're right. Ever since certainly I've started following him, the the tight ends have been just as big as connection with Russ as as the wide receivers have. So to see these these guys like Disley and and Hollister and and, and Olsen when he's healthy getting involved more now, if anything. At the very least, it, it draws the attention away and it draws the coverage away from from guys like Metcalf and, and Lockett, who who teams are expecting us to throw to. And we can open up the playbook more and get these three tight ends. And now Luke Wilson coming back um, on the practice squad as well, whether he'll get elevated as well. But you've got these group of tight ends now who who Russ trusts clearly and, 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 and are good. And, and when we throw him, it's like we realise, oh, you know, Hollister's a good player. Oh, we're throwing it to... To, to Greg Olson, oh, he's a good player, and and I'd love to see big uh, big Colby Parkinson, the rookie, the big six foot seven rookie out of Stanford, who I think he only dropped one pass. I didn't drop a pass in his last season of college. I'd love to see him get. He didn't involved. drop a pass. Didn't drop a pass. Get him in the red zone. Get him nope. in. The, get him in the end zone. Get yeah. Get him working on these small little, you know, these these safeties, these corners, and just and you know, draw that coverage, draw the, those double coverages away from. DK Metcalf, which would allow you to start taking more shots to him and, and, and lock it and get them more involved as well. Yeah. Um, the t- I definitely agree the tight end play needs to be more involved because then that's going to free... Because Disley is proving it over the seasons. Mm-hmm. I was to prove it last year that they're, they're just trouble on their own. You mm. start using them. It, it has baffled me why Schottenheimer hasn't like the the tight end playbook must be dusty in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> like it 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 has baffled me because surely, yeah. again, I am no specialist in the NFL with play calling or creating plays, mm-hmm. but surely you got two really good pass catching tight ends mm. on your team. Surely then they'd make like a defense. Second guess, you've got DK one side, Tyler the other, mm-hmm. like both tight ends mm-hmm. on the field. At what, like, who do I cover? The next minute, DK's bombed you for 50 yards because, yeah, your head's all spent, or you, you're worrying about all the passing, and mm-hmm. then Carson breaks free for a 20 30 yard definitely uh, gain, you know. So, I do, I, I agree with that totally. That it has baffled me why he's not, but then it goes back to what we were saying where. I just think Schottenheimer's been getting through the season on Russ's ability, mm. DK's ability. I honestly yeah. think, and that's why, again, the offense has slowed down because mm-hmm. defenses have kind of figured out that basic thing. Like, double cover DK, get a shutdown corner on DK. Yeah. And, and it might necessarily not be the case that DK is being shut down by that corner, but you mm-hmm. have a Ramsey or someone like that against DK, Russ is going to think twice about throwing in an area, even though he always yeah. says, I have no fear of throwing a deep ball. I have no fear against throwing mm-hmm. against anyone. Mm-hmm. Of course you do. Oh, definitely. It, of course you do, don't you? Of course. Oh, and like, certainly after this season, from what, you know, the, the turnover rate's been historically high for him. It, it, he's got to have, he's got to be more sort of apprehensive about throwing the deep ball. Got to be. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred. Well, you saw, you saw it in. Um, was it? It might have been the Washington game or this game, uh, this Rams game just gone. Um, you saw him looking, and he stayed far too long. And he was also almost like a boxer bouncing his tiptoes back and forth, like looking downfield, looking downfield, looking downfield, looking. And then I think he may have just dumped it off or maybe run 
Yeah. For for the odds. And Russell, the start of this year, wouldn't have even cared. Like, that, that whole thing of, if I see DK one-on-one, I'm just going to throw it up there because I trust my man. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, do, do I? Yeah. Like, do I trust, do I trust myself? Because he's thrown so many just past perfect throws, but just a, like, you know, just overthrown just that tad too much. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you can see it all. He's second guessing. But like, like we said, these last couple of games, I like how he looks more balanced again. Oh, definitely. Um, that. So I think that's all we've got to talk about for the offense. Before we move on to the Niners game, we'll go over how, who our sort of standout player was. I think say I've already mentioned uh, mine briefly, but Jaron Reed for me was was you know outside of the the obvious ones in terms of Jordan Brooks on the defense and, and Jamal Adams like that. The more the one who sort of made just as much of an impact for me was 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 Jaron Reed with his, his two sacks, you know, a handful of tackles, a couple of tackles for loss. I think that was his best game of the season alongside his his two and a half sack game against the Niners in week nine. He, when he plays like that, he's, he's for me, he's no doubt in a, uh, an elite defensive tackle in the NFL. Um, and I would be, you know, I'd have no reservations about the contract that he's being given if he can keep this level of play up, obviously going into the playoffs and, and through next year as well. Uh, for me, he's he's such a player transformed after last season for me. Yeah, um, I can't disagree with it really. I say yeah a lot after what you're saying. I've noticed, yeah. but you're just making you making very good points. There's, there's, I can't really much. chuck anything out there to say. Well, he did this and he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I'm literally just thinking in my head now. Is there anything I could kind of like chuck a little curveball in there for you? I, mean, I can't because I, you know he, his sack numbers are up. Go on. He's he's got things to work on. Like he, oh, he yeah. definitely. He definitely has things to work on, like when he gets when he's got uh, like double covered or two offensive linemen in his face. He's kind of like he really struggles to break that loose. Mm, yeah, I have yeah. noticed. I don't mm-hmm. know the correct terminology of that, but um, it's almost like I've noticed a couple of times that um, O line, if they put two me- two men on him, that's kind of him neutralised. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm guessing that at the end of the day, if that's one thing, then it's still pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, he's drawing away that, you know, if he's drawing double coverage, then that, that opens the gap up for other guys as well. So even that negative, in a way, is, is still a positive. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think of something then to maybe, <laughs> like, <laughs> try and disagree with you for once. <laughs> um, my, my guy, I've got to go back to my favourite rookie. I have to. Like, I was thinking then, well, if we're not going to the obvious, and I was trying to think, try and be cute and find someone else, but I just, I'm just a big fan of Jordan Brooks, so I'm not going to go anywhere else, but from him, like, no, that's fair enough. He was just just a beast. Like, like, like we said earlier when we were talking about him, the things you watch on his tape from high, uh, sorry, college Mm. is, is what you saw in that Rams game. You got glimpses of his speed, his sideline to sideline. Is but people just speak about his speed, but it's his awareness. Yeah, like it's his awareness of which direction the ball's going. It was a couple of games ago. Um, he made a, he made a 
he got into the backfield, made a tackle for loss uh, on mm-hmm. a run play. And it was when Bruce Irving was still playing, because Bruce Irving whacked. It was kind of like a dummy play, because, mm. yeah, it was like a bit like a sweep to the left, and Irving was still in the game yeah. uh, before he got injured. Yeah. And him and Brooks, so Brooks, it's like almost identified straight away which guy had the ball, because Irving absolutely killed, like, took out a guy without the ball. Mm. But he made a tackle as if to say, like, you're the man with the ball. And then Brooks is sweeping round him like, nah, 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 this is the dude who yeah, got yeah. the ball. And then take, takes him down. And I watched that play and I was like, that just highlights to me, like, it shows his awareness. It's like yeah. the goal line stop where he had a defender on him, but he got down and hooked his leg uh, on mm. the fourth down. It's because it was the awareness he saw. As soon as the running back got the ball, he was like, right, I know where he's going. And boom. And it's them little things. Because well, I, mm-hmm. I watch him. I look out for him all the time on, on like defensive plays. I'm always watching to see what he does. Yeah. And it's them little things. What I think people are only just realising that, oh, yeah, he might be pretty damn good. <laughs> well, I've certainly picked it up after this oh. season. He's, he's, oh. Just to I add mean, one more say... thing in. Just to have, sorry, on. just to put in and have one more thing in. Go on. When was the last time we drafted a first round linebacker? That would have been Bruce Irvin, wouldn't it? Exactly. And then what happened there? Again. Going into my uh, very positive, optimistic <laughs> philosophy that yeah. uh, we're, we're definitely building some sort of championship winning team. Well, definitely. I think, you know, we didn't have that many picks this year. And I think that was a bit of a worry going into, um, you know, this off-season's draft. But when you think of the, the Brooks pick-up, um, obviously, Daryl Daryl Taylor has been a little bit of a disappointment in the second round with it with his injury and everything. But there could be a player there, so I, you know I won't I won't call him a bust or anything just yet. But then you've got you know Damian Lewis in, in the in the third round who, who who's just you know arguably the best player on this offensive line now. You've got guys like Alton Robinson who's coming and had four sacks in his in his debut season in the fifth round. Freddie Swain's contributed at the receiver position. Colby Parkinson's a, a potential red zone threat if we if we get to see him more. So this draft class, you know, there's at least three guys, four guys there that I've mentioned that are already making their case and 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 are starters on this team. So it, it's it's really positive going forward that we've you know although we might not have as many picks and we definitely don't have as many picks going into this year's draft and this off season's draft. We're notoriously good at making use of the picks that we get. We have a lot of strong draft classes under Pete Carroll and John Schneider, so it's definitely setting us up well. I think. I think you're right. That Daryl Taylor, um, nothing's on him there. Um, no. In my opinion, in my opinion, no, no one can say he's a bust. They, no, if anything, no. they they put they put that uh, loss on John Schneider and Pete Carroll because. They, mm. they, they're the ones, if I'm right in saying, who had two opportunities to mm. do a medical on him. Oh wow, I uh, didn't know that. Yeah, they're the, they're I think the only team who basically had to jump on everyone else, and they basically did the pick on his upside, mm. and hope re, pretty, pretty much Pete Carroll in a bottle. This optimistic, 
that yeah. he can recover quickly from that injury because his mm-hmm. upside is so good. And mm. it's just not worked out for them. So Pete Carroll and John Snyder take the loss on that. They they take they yeah. take the big U for that uh, grade because people are like still optimistic that he can get back to the playoffs. No, just mm. wrap him wrap him up. Wrap him up, get him back fully fit for next season. Do not put a yeah. rookie who hasn't had a rep on the field for professional no. like for, for proper professional football. And then yeah. chuck him in on the playoffs, like well, it, it, you know, he it, it won't have learned the well, he possibly learned the playbook by now. But you'd like you know, to think the, so. The NFL, <laughs> well, you'd like to think so, yeah. If he's that kind, if he's that dedicated to it. But if you know, the NFL is just a complete different level to college entirely, like what you were saying. But you know, you don't want to risk him, you know, and rush him back. Is you know, if he, you know, he'll pick up another injury most more than likely if you rush him back. And and normally, you know, and and it feels weird to say this that I'm not urging us to get a pass rusher back, you know, into the into the lineup. But the weird pass rush has been brilliant this season. It, it's weird. <laughs> it's completely weird. But so yeah, absolutely right. Just wrap him up in cotton wool, get him to bed nice and early, get the TV on, get him watching it from home, and 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 get him ready for next season and get him get him going then. But yeah, really really but, optimistic after this year's draft class. Because if you look at it like Alton Robinson, like. When he gets his opportunities, he shows out every single time. Oh, yeah. Pre- pretty much shows out every single time. Doesn't get that many snaps. Mm. And it's almost like, don't rush Daryl Taylor because our pass rush is doing good. Yeah. Like, if you believed in him that, that much, if you believed in his upside and his ability that much, and your pass rush is mm. not doing good, then maybe rush mm. him back. But you're rushing back, you could yeah. potentially destroy his whole career. Absolutely. For, for oh, when, absolutely. when our pass rush is doing an effective job at this moment in time, and you just get more reps to Alton Robinson, he's proven it time yeah. and time again that yeah. he, he is a nightmare. He is a nightmare on that line mm-hmm. for for offences. Because if he's not doing stuff, then he's opening the door for other people to go and do stuff, just like every mm-hmm. other player, like we said, Jeremy getting double covered. Then it leaves gaps like Elton Robinson, Dunlap, Puna, Mornay. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need to rush. And I understand like people who like get dedicated into the draft and into this and into that want to see yeah. him, but just see him in preseason next year when it's not as hard like you know it's oh, not I'd, it's not I'd the... much rather see him fully healthy next year than a than a rush back you know shell of a player that we would see in the playoffs this year definitely oh yeah 100% and how bad would it be for his confidence you know well you're talking about championship like championship winning football in the playoffs mm. he goes there and gets absolutely toasted by some uh, linemen time and time mm. and time again mm-hmm. he's not going to get many reps if anything, it could do. No. It could be more detrimental yeah. than yeah. actually positive. Like, Definitely, it's done to me anyway. For me, in my opinion, he's done. Just leave him alone. Get that leg yeah. fully healthy. And yeah. then if you need to get him back early in the off season mm-hmm. to get him up mm-hmm. to speed. Definitely, but really, Definitely. he's been sat at home for all year, so there's no reason he shouldn't know that playbook inside out. 
if he's dedicated no, he to play, play the game. Yeah. No, he better have been reading it all right because, like I say, we, normally we'd, I'd say we, we need him when we get back, but maybe, we, you know, maybe we won't. But, you know, I'd love to see him at least, at the, at the very least, you know, it's a second round pick. You want to see them play and, and everything like that. But you're right, you just don't want to rush these these young lads who are, you know, their bodies are still developing on them as well. And, you know, these are big, big, you know, it, this isn't college football in the NFL. It, it's it's grown men on that offensive line. And, and yeah, yeah, you just, the, the last thing you'd want to see is him to rush back and, 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 and suffer an injury. And then, you know, like you say, potentially, potentially, you know, knacker his career. And, and that's not what, that's not what any of us want. So, Wrap him up, get him ready for next season, and we'll go again. Yeah, totally agree with that. Because um, like back onto Alton Robinson, just quickly um, when mm. we're on the line, like I think it was 2018 before last year because he had a really quiet year last year. Like yeah. I remember reading draft reports because obviously high school, college, and stuff, we don't get the ins and mm-hmm. outs over here. Um, no, no. But reading draft reports and stuff, like people were saying, his 2018 year, I think, where he like had, I think he had something ridiculous. Like, don't quote me on this. I'd have to look into it uh, mm. again. But I think he had something mm. like 20 odd sacks or something. It sounds quite bizarre. He did, but yeah. He did, didn't no, he? No, that sounds right to me. I've read, yeah, I've read that somewhere as well. And that definitely rings a bell. Reading like draft reports and stuff about him. People were saying, like, in 2018, he was like a first-round pick. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. people were saying, like, the Seahawks could have a big steal on their hands here. Because last year, apparently, yeah. there was some internals at Syracuse. There's been some internal right. things going on, apparently. Like, obviously, I don't know for gospel, right. but apparently, yeah, yeah. apparently there was some internals what could have affected his play from last year. Because he's starting to show mm. why people... We're saying in 2018 he could potentially be a first rounder because mm. he's not he's not getting enough reps, you know, as it is. But then when he is, yeah. he, he's being affected on a lot of his downs. Definitely, like definitely. So what? Like again? So if you've potentially got a fifth rounder who who potentially is actually a secret second or third mm. rounder, then again. Why? Why rush Taylor back? There you go. It just makes too much sense to to keep him keep him on the sideline for now. So we'll get on to the 49ers, the old enemy that we've got this weekend. Um, obviously, having a, a very poor season in terms of, you know, they haven't really kicked on. A lot of it's been to do with their injuries, and they've just been plagued with injuries this year, which you know, rival or not, you don't like to see. But it's it's still a good team. It's still a very good defense. They're ranking fifth in yards allowed this season. Um, the Cowboys did sort of put an asterisk over that um, in week 15, scoring 41 points on them. But again, this is going to be another test for the offense. At, you know, third straight week where they're going to be playing one of the top defenses in the NFL, and it's going to be interesting to see sort of how we how we go into it, how we manage it. Do we, you know, do we keep playing the same? Do we, you know, are we comfortable in the way that the offense is playing? Are they going to try and? You know, go out with a bang and, and take these deep shots more often in, in the in the Niners game and try and you know run up the score a bit. It, it's going to be interesting to see how we play these this this Niners team with all the injuries they've got. Yeah, um, I think Kittle will be heavily involved this game. Yeah, um, because CJ Beathard, I just you know what my first initial thing is the way the D's been playing. 
I, I, I'd like, I got optimism that it's not going to happen, but it's just like whenever we play a backup, it's just. Oh, I don't. What happens? Like, what happens? <laughs> it's like Pete Carroll just goes, nah, they all play like Jimmy G. It's fine. We'll just watch Jimmy G's tape and yeah. like sack, 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 yeah. sack, sack the rest of sack Nick Mullins, sack uh, CJ Bethard. Like, we'll just watch the, the uh, Garoppolo tape and uh, we'll just roll with that and mm-hmm. see what goes down. But. <laughs> oh, it, it, like we, we were talking about this again the other day and our track record our track record against backup quarterbacks Colt McCoy um, McCown like for the Eagles and, and every other you know Bessard with you know Mullins has had a game against us it's it just seems that whenever these backups come out on the field against against the Seahawks team we just it, it, it's it, we play worse and they score more points than they would have done if they had the starting QB, if they had Daniel Jones, if they had Carson Wentz, if they had Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just weird. It's just weird. Yeah, um, it's almost like the Niners should just when they come to like play Seahawks, it should just be like Nick, you 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 the starter, Jimmy, just sit yeah. just, just sit down, mate, because he just always has a day against us, like. Hopefully, mm. CJ Befford's going to not be the same. I, I'd like to say no, but the way this defence is playing, I'd like to say they're just going to yeah. batter him. They're just literally going to put a beating on him. Mm-hmm. Like, you would think. I don't, I just, I don't know too much into the Niners' O line, but I just think the way it's just this defence playing nasty. Like, I just, I, I just think they well, put it, a beating on him. It, it, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that with, with the O line. Obviously, the, the the big acquisition they made on the O line being Trent Williams, the left tackle in the off season, he's injured. He's not going to be playing. Their backup left tackle, uh, Justin School, has also suffered a knee injury this week, and he's doubtful to play on Sunday. Oh. So you're looking at a third string left tackle possibly there on on that offensive line. So that's a heavily banged up position, and and you know what they what they call the second most uh, important position in football, the left tackle spot. To not have a, a Trent Williams at, at left tackle. A third string guy at left tackle, you know, you would think, you would think that, you know, they would target that and 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 possibly have a have a bit of a day against whoever, whoever unfortunately has the has the role of slotting in as the third string left tackle. So that's uh, Jamal Dunlap, bloody yeah, Robertson, anyone, all of them. Hey, they're gonna have a day. They're, all of them. Jamal's just gonna be just gonna live on that side of the on that <laughs> side of the field. Like he's just gonna, like, I I. I, I want at least three more sacks before this regular season's out. Let's go. Let, let's just have it. Let's just let's just destroy this guy. <laughs> like, they're just gonna send. They're just gonna send everyone. Everyone on that side. Dunlap's just gonna go wild. End his career. Yeah. <laughs> Theory, End his career before it's even but, uh, started. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got other inactives on this on the Niners team this week as well. You've got Richard Sherman, who's quite conveniently copped out of this one and, and not playing. Um, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel injured as well, so they've got their two main, you know, starting one and two receivers injured. So it's I, I really don't. If 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 this Niners team beat us with all these injuries, I know they've got Kittle back, but with with CJ Bethard, the third choice quarterback, with their two, you know, the the one and two receivers out, no Trent Williams, no Richard Sherman. And I think, you know, Javon Kinlaw, the, the, the first-round rookie defensive tackle, he's doubtful to, to play as well. So it's it's a completely banged-up team, even even though this is probably as healthy as they've been all season. It's still a completely banged-up team. 
So if we were to go into this one, and I mean, it would just be completely a Seahawks thing to do just to go into this one and lose it, but I just can't see it. I just can't see I, it for me. I, I don't understand the 49ers. Like, I understand, I do understand like they've got pride, but then there comes mm. into a bit of, you got to just think about it, haven't you? And just go, I don't want any more of my players to get injured. No. So I am just going no. to rest my key players, like Kittle. Kittle's yeah. just come back from, mm. Kittle's just come back from uh, injury. Why risk him? In a, yeah. Essentially, in a pointless game, like there's no pride Completely. to lose against Seattle. I understand no. the hatred. No. I understand thingy, but there's no pride. Yeah. There's no there's no pride there. Just preserve your best players and like, could, mm-hmm. you, could you imagine if Kittle took a hit in this game oh, and then he's hell. out until the start of next year so he misses all training camp oh they'd be the heads would roll heads would completely it, roll it, exactly just that's how I see it but they're probably not and I, I no with that with that um, injury report what you've just said there I just I look at it I just think mm. I don't understand how we couldn't blow these team out with the way that RD's been playing and their one and two yeah. wide receivers are out. Yeah. I just don't understand. But again, we struggled against third string wide receivers, but we have. But yeah. The D's playing a lot but, better you know, than the start of this year. It is. Where yeah. was it you've got, Wilson I mean, you've or got, something like that went on. off on us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you've got playoff seeding on the line as well. You know, there's still a chance. We'll, and we'll get to this in a second as as we as we come to the end. But you know, there's there's a chance for the number one seed. There's a chance for the number two seed. There's there's so many. There's so much riding on this potentially for the Seahawks. Although they've already clinched the playoff spot. You know, if it would be, could you imagine the feeling we'd feel if we come out of this one losing to the Niners, but the Packers and the Saints have both lost and we'd miss the chance because we've just completely sort of, you know, took it too easy and took the took the foot off the gas and it, it would be it would be a, a crime for us to, to lose this game. Oh, it really it'd be, would it'd so, be a typical Seahawks thing that wouldn't it? Like completely typical. Typical Seahawks. We we somehow Niners will go fourteen up and then you look on you, you look on your app and Green Bay's getting <laughs> smashed twenty one points. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Saints are going down as well, and you're just like, why? <laughs> but it's a typical, it's just typical. That would be a typical Seahawks uh, a way to Completely. go into it. I mean, there is no reason for us to be nervous or scared going at this game, but just knowing historically what we're like with teams like this, and and it's, uh, I mean, I don't think it'll happen. I, I'm, I'm very confident it won't happen, but. You just can't help but have that sort of feeling somewhere in your stomach that something's just going to go terribly wrong. And like you say, we're playing at this cursed, cursed stadium in Arizona at State Farm. It's it's a it's an absolute house of horrors. The Seahawks over the years, the Super Bowl that shan't be named, and all the injuries to the LOB, and it's it's a horrible, horrible place. I just say wrap wrap Jamal up in cotton wool. Don't play him that game. Not in that bloody stadium anyway. No. <laughs> if we're up big at half time and there's no issues, take them all off. Put the coin flip master Geno Smith out there. Put all the backups out there. Put Ken Norton in at defensive end if you have to. If it means Dunlap or anyone like that is out of the game, just put anyone in. Could you imagine? Just 
Ken just, Norton up. Like, <laughs> he, he's the play caller and he, he, he'll still be looking confused himself running along the line like headless chicken. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that would be a sight to behold. Could you, could you imagine him on third down? He'll go sit down on a deck chair with a brew. <laughs> we, we don't do third down defence in this club. Don't worry about it. What, 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 why have third down when you can have first down? What's the point? Why have third down when we can just stop you on fourth on the goal line? That was more interesting. Yeah. Oh, you, you see that number 56 on the sideline that we're just conveniently... Oh, we'll just bring him in. We'll just bring him in. It's all right. We'll let you have yeah, this yeah. one. Yeah, we'll let you get down to the goal line and then we'll decide to stop you on third down. Yeah. <laughs> but no, back to that, oh, nine, back to that Niners game. I, a lot of people, like, the mainstream are buzzing off DK because he's a specimen. He's like... Mm. The things he's capable of doing are unbelievable, but he's getting a lot of shade at the moment because obviously he has been quiet. I just think he's one of them players. Mm. He's just going to go off at some point. Him and Russ are going to yeah. go like they're going to just destroy a team. That team is going to have their soul okay. taken away from him, all because people on mm. social media and in the news have digged them out. It's going to happen. Yeah. Before this season's done, DK is going to remind everyone why everyone was talking about him at the start of this year. Like that's oh, going to yeah. go down. Like I don't know about Tyler. I just yeah. Is that? I mean, is is if you look at his numbers, his numbers will still be quite impressive. But it just feels like he's had a quiet year. Really, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's very strange. But then he is capable. It wouldn't surprise me. Tyler went off oh. in in the 49ers game because. Listening to previews from other podcasts and reading other pages previews on it, mm. like it's all DK talking about DK matching up against. Is it Verrett there? Essentially, their main corner. Who's the guy who's just come back? Is it Verrett? Yeah. I can't remember his name. It begins with a V. Uh, yeah, yeah, Verrett. Verrett. Oh, I can't even think of his name now. Um, yeah, another one you mean? Yeah. yeah. So. They're all like, oh, DK, I wonder how he'll match up with that. And it's like every, it's like everyone's forgot about Tyler. It's like everyone's mm-hmm. like sleeping on Tyler because the, the, the new toy, the big muscle heads in town, and it's like, oh, who's going to... It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Tyler, this game, Tyler just went off on him. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, because... Well, got... I think everyone's forgetting what he's capable of. I don't know. I look at sometimes this offence and I just think this offence... He's been so absorbed with DK and his attributes and mm. the specimen he is. I think they've just kind of like DK can catch on anyone. Like, and they just got about everyone else. And it's like, there'll become a point. We've talked about this um, off air, and it'll come a point where Schottenheimer is going to have, a, in my opinion, um, I should have really saved this for the postseason, uh, for the playoff talk. But whilst we're on it, um, it's going to become a point mm. where Schottenheimer is going to have to prove, to me anyway, he's going to have to prove himself to not be, yeah, in a sense, a one-trick pony like that Packers game last year. He should have adapted quicker, and he, it's on him in that game for some of it. Why we lost yeah. that game because he didn't react quick enough. He was so stubborn to his game plan. He's almost like he didn't realise it was go, running away from him until it was too late, and mm-hmm. and I think 
at the start of this year with what they did with these big, big bombs to DK, these big bombs, it kind of hindered Tyler because Tyler's most effective when he gets loose from his, uh, from his man and he catches that deep 30, 40-yard ball. But because, because yeah. DK's the new toy to do that with, it kind of shut Tyler down as well because mm-hmm. of that uh, playing two high safeties. So it doesn't give Tyler that much yeah. freedom anymore to do what he does best. Yeah. And it's almost... No, I've, I've completely... Yeah, it's like they've almost... It's like Schottenheim has almost forgot what other true weapon Tyler really is. Yeah. I think people yeah. got wrapped up on the DK hype train. Of, oh, well, not people. Schottenheim has got hyped up on the train of DK. Yeah. That he's forgetting about mm. what other weapons he's got around him. Definitely, I think, like, like, like you say, I think everyone's just got caught up in the complete mass hysteria that is DK, and, and rightly so because he's a complete freak of nature. That you know, you can only really compare him to someone like Kelvin Johnson that, that you know the, the league sort of seen before. But it's just you know, Tyler has got abundance of ability as well, and I would just love to see us start you know getting that you know opening the playbook and and, and sort of you know, making plays that suit Tyler more to get him involved because we know how much of a playmaker he is and, and, and how, you know, how reliable he is when in, in big moments and, and, and coming up when you need him. Yeah. Um, I, I would like that too. Uh, I think, I think he has to do it. Like, like we, we, we touched on before, going back to when we were speaking about the offence, like, Russ is looking more balanced again. Mm-hmm. And, the run game's complementing the passing game. We're getting Chris Carson back. Penny's coming back. Yeah, that's all well and good. Yeah. But it still doesn't take away the fact that Schottenheimer, in my opinion, has to um, he has to open up that playbook. Does his, does his playbook Definitely. just like... And don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing DK here because rightly so. Like, you're like you, I'll echo what you said. Like, DK is mm. just a specimen and... No, no wonder they target him so yeah. much. No wonder he's like now emerging as the number one in the team. Mm. But Schottenheimer needs to take this time now, in my opinion, and just reevaluate what he's actually got on his football team and realise that there's a number two there who's actually not really being used. Like, he's, he's still getting plays. But yeah. You look at other teams who've got a one and a two. And they're both... Mm-hmm. Like we've not seen that game yet where Tyler and DK have gone off together. It's always DK goes at the start of the year. It was always DK goes off, mm-hmm. then Tyler goes yeah. off, then and it's not in the middle. They both go off for like a hundred no. yards apiece. You know, a balance between them both. It's always one or the other. Yeah, I think DK mentioned that as well, didn't he? Said you know about us being a pick your poison sort of offence where if, you know, if I have a quiet day, Lockett will have a big day. If Lockett has a quiet day, I'll have a big day. So, the, the, you're right, there isn't, I can't really think of a game where both of them have gone for, you know, over 100 yards and had a couple of touchdowns each, even against like the Jets, you know. It's, it's yeah, it's a funny yeah, one. It, yeah, I just think, like, like agree with you there, that he needs to open that playbook. But if anything, it's not really open it, it's, it, it's reassess the playbook. Reassess his, uh, his playbook, yeah. his, his personnel and offence. And maybe just look at it and go, mm. okay, we have been 
like in a way, what stalling as people would say. We have been stalling of of, of yeah. late. Defenses seem to be figuring out. Like we we're most we're most effective with them explosive plays, and uh, yeah, he needs to figure out how to re get them back. And like I've said to you off air, like I'm still not convinced with Shotty as a play caller. For my no. limited knowledge, no, me neither. Of play calling, <laughs> as I'll say again, I'm not no expert. <laughs> yeah. I'm not checking out like. I no. know what's best. He's absolutely shite and we need to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. But I just, compared to some of our other play callers, when it comes to being aggressive, it's almost like DK or bust sometimes, yeah. it feels. Like, because... Yeah, definitely. At the start of the year, definitely. it was Tyler going off, DK going off, Tyler going off, DK, and then it was just DK going off, DK going off, DK going off, DK going off. Then we hit the middle of the season... Yeah. It all like the wheels seem to have fallen off, and now it's not even it's not even any of them aren't going off anymore. No, Alex, it's it, it's seemingly now over the past few weeks been more towards the the running backs again. Now they're healthy and the tight ends, so it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the playbook gets used in going into the playoffs and that against these uh, these better playoff yeah, teams. Yeah, we kind be we've kind of got off the we kind of merged the Niners and. The postseason together here because we are talking like we're kind of talking about both, aren't we? Um, because this, yeah. in a way, this is what we want to see in that Niners game. We want to see these things we're talking about, really, because it, it worries me, yeah, that Schottenheimer might get too carried away with his run heavy offensive plans because that was what the Green Bay game mm-hmm. was. It was a run, run first, run first, run first, run first. No adjustment. I just don't want him to go back to that mindset mm-hmm. of of like run first and then everything else will fall into place. Because I personally don't think he's good at reacting to yeah. what he's watching. It might be different this year because he's now skybox shotty, mm-hmm. and he might it might give him <laughs> extra wisdom when he's looking at the field, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd still possibly. like in this 49ers game, I'd still like these tight ends to be used a lot more. Um, like, I've seen Definitely. saw people say, like, why is Will Disney, like, Will Disley and Russ's connection is, is like, fire, essentially, um, in the last couple of years. Why, why is he not being used much? And I'm not complaining yeah. about that because the last couple of seasons, Disley's gone out with season-ending in, season injuries. And... I actually yeah. prefer the way they've used him because it's giving you a chance. So he's getting them reps. He's on the field. Mm. He's on the field and he's not getting banged. He's not getting whacked. So really now there's no excuse because he should be fully recovered. Yeah, it's a good point. that They've definitely sort of been a bit more conservative and a bit more careful with him in terms of not just, you know, he is getting a bit sort of limited snaps in a way. You know, I th- I, there must be, and, and rightly so, they must be worried about that. You know, reaggravating that injury, it must be a potential thing going forward that that's a weakness. But yeah, yeah um, because point. I did notice something, and it might be something or nothing. But I noticed at the start of the season, he was wearing these like his boots. He was wearing, and I know they changed them all the time, but he was wearing these like proper clumpy looking boots, and it they almost mm. reminded me of mm. boots. Lyman were, and then 
Yeah. And then recently, yeah, no, that they changed it, yeah. them. They were like all black. And then now they're white. And they might be the same boot, just a different style, but they don't look mm. the same. And it almost, mm-hmm. they reminded me of Lyman. And it got me thinking of a little thing that I thought that maybe the whole intention for him was to be, you know, that extra Lyman. So, mm. yeah, like possibly. we were saying, not re-aggravating the injury, because he did make him, like everyone was saying, he made such a quick recovery from his injury. Mm. Maybe with like all yeah. the tight end strength we had, they were just like, you're solely going to be in on mm. blocking tight end. Because now he's changed into these yeah. white boots what look a bit more yeah. like a receiver would wear. And it makes you think that now they're ready to unleash him in that passing game. That's the, see, yeah. that's the kind of yeah, wisdom definitely. you're uh, um... going to get from me. <laughs> that's why I brought you in <laughs> think outside the box and then get shot down by everyone <laughs> so, uh, well I've said we've, uh, I just said we've won in Arizona this season so that's me getting slaughtered because <laughs> of course we haven't um, but anyway we'll get on to the questions we just got one or two in um, and they are playoff related so that'll fit into our playoff so we'll mold it into one um, I think it was Tom getting in touch with us for the question so thanks for that Tom he asked us two different questions, both related to the playoffs. First question we'll answer first. Obviously, he says, how far do you think we go in the playoffs? And number two is how plausible it is that we get the number one seed. So for the first question, how far do you think we go in the playoffs? For me, I think what we touched on earlier, I think now that this defence has improved so much and that you know they're starting to you know reliably stop offences now and, and give our give our own offence chance to, to win games and that now. It's it's I'm a lot more confident going into the playoffs than what I would have been halfway through the season when the, the defence was still on track by, you know, setting historically bad numbers to be one of the worst defences that, you know, the NFL and the Seahawks have, have ever even seen. Um, but ultimately, like I said before, I'm, I'm not really convinced on the strength of the NFC this this year. I mean, you know, if the season stays as it is right now, we'd be playing the Rams at home in the wild card round. So we've shown we can beat them. So that's that round ticked off for me. Then you'd either be playing the Saints on the road or the Bears at home to whoever wins that. So then, you know, I'm not really convinced by the Saints. We talked about the Saints a bit off air as well, and we'll probably bring them up again that, you know, God. their offense and Drew Brees don't really look, you know, maybe aren't as wrong, good as what they've, in my you know, opinion, the points Drew they're putting Brees up is going to get them dumped out of the playoffs. After watching, like, he put up good yard stats. He put up, like, all that kind of fancy stuff in that blowout win mm-hmm. uh, against the Vikings. But then the ones that really matter against good defences is zero passing yeah. touchdowns and two interceptions. Mm-hmm. He he is going to oh, get that dear, team single-handedly dumped out good. of the playoffs, that is not in good. my opinion. Like I say, I think you know when we talked about it, it, it seems to be Alvin Kamara's team at the minute, and 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 Jared Cook, the tight end's not a bad player either. But without Michael Thomas and without some of their other offensive weapons, and and Drew Brees at quarterback who isn't getting any younger now, you know, it's I'm just not that sold on the Saints. Is it the defense is 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 not so you know it's it's okay. It's not. I wouldn't say it's amazing. I wouldn't say it's a bad defense, but it's you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I just, I've got a weird feeling about the Saints. I don't watch a lot of Saints, so but I just like earlier in the year no, watching no. Red Zone, 
they always used to crop up. And it's just like they kind of slowed down as the season went on. Mm. So I I'm in I'm in the same boat with you. I, I'm not concerned yeah. about the Saints personally. Um obviously in the current trajectory of this team, no. with the defense playing as well as we're playing, I, mm. for me, we, we go to the Super Bowl and win it. Like oh, total optimism, but um for be being right. more, I think the Bears at home, we win the we beat I mean, the Bears at home because they've shown that through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Soldier Field, they're a different beast Definitely. when they're on the road. So, yeah. if we played them at home, mm-hmm. we beat them at home. Um, the books do concern me a little bit because if they turn up as a unit, they could be they could be the surprise package. Mm-hmm of the playoffs mm-hmm. out of every team in there. And that defence, when it wants to ball, it, it, it's, it's a scary yeah. unit. So, they, they for me, mm-hmm. if they turn up on the day, yeah. are a worrying team. But, on the face value of it all, essentially, Green Bay's our biggest. Yeah. I mean, most likely you're playing them in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, you know, before that, like you're saying, you're talking teams like the Bucks, Saints, Bears, Rams, who I would personally be confident of us beating any, you know, on the road or at home, even the Bears at Soldier Field, I'd still be confident that as a team we could we could overcome that and beat the Bears. But it, it's that NFC Championship game for me. I'm just, as a, as an entire consistent unit and team, I think the only team that have shown it inconsistently that they've been sort of consistently good over the over the course of the season is the Packers and if you're going to be playing them in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field we've got an awful record at Lambeau Field and you know we've had our fair run-ins with, with Packers in the NFC Championship games beforehand and they're just crazy weird random games every time we play the Packers so I, I, I could see us beating them but I could also definitely see them beating us so but in terms of how far we could go I think definitely we could at least get to the NFC Championship game I would be yeah I would be uh, disappointed if I'm we didn't at least get there. to that game total optimism I reckon looking at the way we're playing now if the D carries on on this ascent and Russ gets back to just being effective Russ I don't want to see let Russ cook I just want him to be mm-hmm. effective effective Russ yeah let <laughs> Just be effective. Let Russ calm down. Just throw them deep balls when they're there. Don't over, <laughs> don't overthink it. Don't over like. Don't try and force it all. Mm-hmm. Just get back to what he plays best, and no. that all merges together in the playoffs. But yeah, I totally agree. That championship game, and I'm quite with that with our um, defensive line. I'm quite confident that we beat the uh, Packers this year. At, like. Like I said, if if we went into that game and our D was playing the mm. way it was, like the differences from last year are, we had a zero yeah. pass rush. Oh yeah, I think we're I think we're top five in yeah, pass exactly. rush in terms so of the NFL. You look at that it's, and, it's just a unit like transform brother, he's completely. Watched, he's been watching the NFL since like two thousand and five. He's said to me ever since I started watching the NFL, he said mm. the way you beat Aaron Rodgers is a bit like Jared Goff. You get to him early and often, and because of his age, and he he, mm-hmm. he can still shift if he wants to, mm-hmm. but not as good as he used to. 
you get to him early enough, then you throw him off a rhythm. Yeah. You throw him off his rhythm, and he, he, he finds it very hard to get a rhythm back. Yeah. And I think that's that's a good point because with with our guy Wilson, nothing ever really seems to get to him in terms of his confidence and his, you know, you never see him get angry or frustrated with the guys around him. Never. It, it just doesn't happen. But with Aaron Rodgers, if, it, if, if you get him into a tough situation and, and you're beating his offensive lineman and he's getting beat up, he, mm. he, he doesn't like it and, it, and it and he gets frustrated with it with his players around him. So I would definitely and then, be confident then of our do, sort at, of chances if we can get to him, rush, definitely. Like our X factor, Jamal Adams, like they, hmm. they're not going to stop him all game. I haven't seen a team when I look that at really it from that yet, point so. of view. Then I think we can beat the Packers. And I, another difference maker, in my opinion, is I yep. don't know. Is um Devonte Adams? Is he a six foot wide receiver? Because he always looks small to me. I don't know his actual stature. I I will. I think he is. Um, I will very quickly check. Compared to Trey Flowers last, Trey Flowers mm-hmm. last year, like Devontae Adams burnt him because he's shifty in his routes and mm-hmm. he's got the speed. Now, the difference maker again in the corner position is DJ yeah. Reed this year, because he might he might burn DJ Reed on the yeah. like initial point of the route. But DJ Reed's got that closing speed to keep up with him. So even mm-hmm. if he, he gets past him, DJ Reed's always going to be mm-hmm. flying up and getting a hand on mm-hmm. whacking him. And I think that could be a difference maker Definitely. from last year to this year. And then obviously it all falls on Shotty. So, yeah, from, from the initial Fair. initial question, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very good point. Like, total blind optimism. Super Bowl I believe it I believe it blind optimism I've said it to my brother from the start of this year there we go start of this season I just I just I mean, feel it I don't know what it is I just have this feeling um, mm-hmm. they'll probably go out in the wild card round now I've said that and jinx them but hey I can't see why at this moment in time like the offence in the last couple no. of games for me personally has shown enough to say I'm not concerned as of yet but if anything's going to let us down, it is probably going to be mm-hmm. the offense, the play calling on that side of the ball, possibly. Um, but I can't see why we can't get to that championship round uh, yeah. game with the way we are at this moment in time. Not me neither. And to answer your question about Devontae Adams, he is six foot zero point eight three inches, so he's just scraping six foot. So it, you know, against a guy like DJ Reed, he'll be able to go talk to toe with and, him in terms of speed, and we've shown he's very yeah, good in exactly, coverage as well. Exactly, uh, that, and that's a matchup we can win. Obviously, I don't. We don't watch Packers because we hate them, like essentially. But I don't really see many times yeah. because of how shifty he is. I don't see many in many times getting whacked. So, like, someone who no, listens to this might no. be able to like. Send us a comment. He's never injured. Like, say, well, yeah, he can take contact and he, he doesn't affect him. But it just makes you think, like, because he is so shifty and he's so good. Yeah. Like, because that's something G- DJ Reed will bring to the party. He'll bring his speed, he'll mm-hmm. match him, and he'll whack him as well. He's not one of them receivers like Julio Jones where yeah. he just gets whacked. Every, but, you know, he still comes down with the ball and he's still, you know, 
he's shown he can take a hit or two. It's you, you're right, Devon Adams just seems to. I don't know how he does it, whether it's his speed or it's just his downright ability to run routes or whatever it is. You don't really see him getting on the end of these big hits by by uh, by guys in the secondary. So it would be interesting to see if we could, you know, get a few shots in on him. How would he react to that? How would he, yeah, you know, so. how would he overcome that? So we'll have to wait to see, won't we? One. We will have to wait and see. Fingers crossed, we'll get there. Like you say, I don't see any reason why we can't, and I think it would be a, a crying shame if we didn't get there with the. Uh, the teams that we're set to meet on the way there. So for the second question, how plausible is it that we get the number one seed? Well, in short, it's it's you know there's a chance, but it's not it's not looking likely to get the number one seed. We'd need the Packers and the Saints to both lose their games, and for us obviously to beat the Niners. Now, all three teams are hitting the road this weekend, and they're all playing at the same time too. So it's going to be a complete mashup of scores coming in and it'll just be a complete mayhem for the for three and a half hours at, at, I think it's 9.25 hour time over here in the UK so it's going to be a it's going to be a fun one but the Packers are playing the Bears at Soldier Field that's going to be a really good game if it wasn't on at the same time I would have loved to have watched that obviously you've got the rivalry with it you've got the playoff hopes and, and of, of the Bears and the seeding hopes of, of the Packers I don't know why but I just have a gut feeling that the Packers could slip up in that game with it being a rivalry and with the Bears coming in on, you know, with a bit of head of steam up, they're winning games. You know, they're in with a chance of the playoffs. They've got the Packers, the last game of the season to get themselves in the playoffs. You know, there could be added, you know, added motivation for them there. The Packers know they're already in the playoffs. They, they know they're already getting a good seed and whatever happens, is there going to be, you know, a bit of, you know, a lapse in sort of motivation and concentration on the Packers side, possibly. Um, you know, the Saints are going to Carolina to take on the 5-10 and 10 Panthers. I don't see them losing that. The Panthers don't have... A, well, they're looking like they're not going to have McCaffrey. The, I think Mike Davis, the ex-Seahawk guy oh, who's, who's gone for a 1,000 yards for them this season, he's been declared out as well. So they're on their third and, string running back. So it, it's a complete, you know, how we've had Teddy it this Bridgewater season with, well. with injured Teddy running backs in Carolina. Teddy B is... Uh, <laughs> it, you, you you hate to you hate to love him in a way. He's a he's a funny old one. He's 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 very very resilient, very tough. He, he's he's been playing in the league for for a long time now. But yeah, he's uh, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. So I don't see the Saints losing that one. The Saints shouldn't lose. the The reason why they possibly could is if Breeze isn't one hundred percent healthy, and that Carolina defense isn't. They've got some ballers on that defence. Mm. Like, Jeremy Chin, I really wanted the Seahawks to pick him up. And he's proven, they do. They do. Like, he's proven it through the season. Like, mm. if they get to Breeze yeah. and bang him up, or Breeze is very susceptible to a turnover, and they do that. Mm-hmm. And if Bridgewater got, transforms himself back to the start of the year, oh yeah, like, they have a squeak, but realistically, mm-hmm. they're not going to. If one if one of them teams is going to lose, I could see the Packers uh, because the Bears are just on a uh, was it a four game win streak and they're yeah. just hot at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's like I say, there's there's nothing sort of you know the, the Bears defenses all, always seem to be good, so that you know they've got a good defense. Their uh, their offense is 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 okay. It's not you know it's not a, an elite offense, but it's seeming to be good enough for them at the minute. So that. They're coming in with this motivation. They're on ahead of steam. They're winning games. 
They've turned the season around. They've given themselves a chance to make the playoffs and the final game against their bitter, bitter rival, the Green Bay Packers, who are coming in possibly, like you say, already knowing they've got a playoff spot. Nothing to play for other than the seeding, obviously. Obviously, the number one seed is a massive incentive. So you would like to think, if you're a Packers fan, that you, you know they, they won't be distracted and they won't be sort of taking it a bit easy because everyone wants that that number one, that that one and only bye week that that's that's coming this season. So, but I just it just has a it just has a feeling to it and a look to it when you look at it on the schedule and you just think of the rivalry and everything like that. It just has a feeling that something something might go wrong. I just. I think it's a bit slim to none. I just, I just like to hope that come half time, if it is out of reach, I just mm. hope that Pete will do the sensible thing and take out the most valuable players, regardless of the score. We can't drop any lower than the third. Just, yeah. just make sure we we don't do anything unnecessary. Nope. It's 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 a good point because I, and I, it's completely you know off on a tangent, but. I was watching the um, the 2050. I don't know whether you watched it. The All or Nothing with the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the uh, the 2015 season one, and and the the I think it was the last game before they went into the playoffs. Yeah, Tyron Tyron Matthew just got injured on the last play of the game. Completely irrelevant play. Then that I remember that safety. Um, you know, one of the best players just gets injured and and out for the season. Yeah, you know, just on a complete nothing play when. They could have just taken him out and 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 you know benched him, put the backups in, and that you know that might possibly have cost them. You know the Super Bowl. I know you know in the game in the NFC Championship game their offense was awful and everything like that. But you know a player like that, it's, it's he's a player who's yeah. a lot like Jamal Adams in the sense that he brings more than just his physical ability to the to the defense. Yeah, he, look, he's that character. He's that leader. He's that motivator. Yeah, I love him that, as a that player. Was a massive loss like on a, com- a complete. Only bad. Yeah, I love him. I forgot uh, because. After that season, mm. didn't he leave the Cardinals and then the Chiefs got him? Because I might be getting a bit confused, mixed up with uh, Sherman with us. With like, was it I was it the that ended? But I'm pretty sure he went on a similar path because, like you said, yeah. I've not watched the All or Nothing, but I, I when you said it, I remembered exactly what it is. And because mm. uh, my bro- my brother me- messaged me about it, and he's just going off on it, and he's just like, why, why have they just mm-hmm. done that to themselves? And, and like I said, I just hope when that. When that door gets shut, Pete makes mm. the correct move and just benches everyone who's important. And I mean, like you said, I think you'd like to think he would. He did against the Jets. He recognised the situation against the Jets. So you would think in a heightened playoff implication game, you would you would imagine, you know, with all of his experience, he would. But, you know, stranger things have happened. And like you say, there was plenty of experienced coaches in Arizona there with Bruce Arians who didn't do it. So there is a chance, but... Like I say, if, if your question was how plausible is it that we get the number two seed, I would say it's very plausible. I can definitely see either one of those two teams slipping up. Um, you know, obviously there's a chance we slip up as well, and uh, you know, everything like that. I, I, it would it would surprise me if all three teams won this weekend in a way. With just it's just how sports work and and how and and now NFL seems to work you know these you know there's always a storyline there's always a bit of drama so i can definitely see at least one of uh one of our teams losing either the saints packers or, or ourselves so if it was the number two seed definitely i would definitely Look, give us a really good shot at that yeah. number one seed it's going to take a little bit of a little bit of a mini miracle a little bit of a yeah i think we're gonna to have to do some hoping and praying <laughs> and, and you know maybe light a few candles and just hope and pray that we <laughs> You know, pray to the, the the NFL God. Play to the, 
at the football god that that something gives us a gives us a chance to to get the number one seed. But yeah, it, it it'll be fun. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun three and a half hours where well you know you know how it is if you follow you know obviously you follow the Seahawks and you follow any other teams when your your team's played in a big game and the you know other teams you know matter yeah. and can have influence here and the scores are coming in and everything like that. It's gonna be mad. It's gonna be mental. But that's all. It. That's how we have it with the Seahawks. Anyway, it's mad, it's mental, regardless of what week we're playing and against what opponent. Um, so it's nothing new to us. The heart attack will, will come back. You know, the mini heart attack yeah, on, we'll on Sunday. It's what makes it. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, that, I think that draws it to no, a close. I don't think we've no, we got anything else we, we want to mention that we haven't already mentioned. We covered the Rams, covered the Niners, covered the playoff implications this weekend. Um, yeah, so obviously we'll hope to get these episodes out weekly now. Um, so again, I apologise for the absence in, in uploads. Um, so we'll try and get these out weekly. Obviously, we'll do a review of the Niners game this week. Obviously, we'll, we'll obviously we'll talk about the performance. Hopefully, we'll be talking about the Seahawks win. Hopefully, we'll talk and we'll be talking about the Seahawks in the number one seed. Like I say, we, we've discussed that there, but probably most likely the number three seed. But Let's hope. Let's hope we're talking about the number one seed, Seattle Seahawks, with a bye week and kicking our feet up and, and watching the playoffs already in the uh, in the divisional round. So we'll see you next week. Thank you very much, Pietro, for joining me. Um, yeah, obviously Matt is uh, not with us today. He hasn't been with us today. He will hopefully be a regular uh, presence. No worries, James. It was a um, pleasure. So thank you very much, Pietro. I'd just like Pietro. to say happy, happy New Year to any everyone who listens and. Uh... We'll speak to you I in hope the you've new enjoyed year. it. Yeah, happy new year, twelves and football fans everywhere. See you in the new year, and like you say, hopefully we'll See be you. talking about the number one seeded Seattle Seahawks. Thanks everyone.